Lord and him being the gate. And the whole point I wanted you to take home from that lesson was that there is only one way to salvation. And that's through the sheep gate, or as Jesus would say, I am the sheep gate. Jesus is the sheep gate. There's only one way to salvation. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. It's not a preacher. It's not a a church building. It's not a location. It's not a nationality. It is Jesus Christ. And so that's where we've been with sheep. You might also remember my very first sermon. I kind of started at the end, and I'm going to end at the beginning. So I flip-flopped it. And believe it or not, I can plan two months in advance, and I actually planned this, uh, this story about a lamb to happen today of all days. But I started with Jesus on the cross. Jesus was the ultimate sacrificial lamb. All throughout the Old Testament, we see uh, lambs, sheep. That, that was their purpose, was to be raised to be a sacrifice to God on the altar. A pleasing aroma, an act of worship, but also... The atonement for sins, in other words, to erase the sins that had happened in various different ways. The Old Testament's full of it, right? But Jesus came and lived on this earth and taught the message and died on the cross as the perfect, without blemish, ultimate sacrificial lamb. And we know the story. He died for our sins, the sins of the whole world, past, present, and future. And we know it's true because he resurrected on the third day. And we'll get to see him in heaven. But all of that to say, that's the end of Jesus' story. But that lamb could never be the sacrificial lamb without a beginning. If there was never a lamb in a manger, there would have never been a lamb on the cross. So today I know it's kind of cliche, but I'm going to talk about the lamb in the manger. And what I want to do today is I just want to read and share the story of how the lamb, Jesus Christ, came to earth. Because Jesus had to be a human on this earth. He had to live. He had to go through life. He had to be sinless. By the time he got to that cross, he had to have grown as the lamb to be crucified. And so it's Christmas Eve. Usually the story of Christmas is shared around this season. And usually we hang out in Luke chapter 2. But I want to give you a little bit more of a picture. And I promise I'm not giving you as much of a picture as last year. Because last year... I told you the whole story of Jesus from beginning to end. Today, I've already talked about the end, the sacrificial lamb. So I want to talk about how that lamb came to earth. So we are going to start out in Luke, but we're going to start in chapter 1. And if you got your Bibles today, a right, pretty simple task for you. We're just going to be in Luke and Matthew. So you just hang out in the beginning of the New Testament, bounce back and forth, and we are going to share the story of Jesus coming to earth, God's plan for the lamb in the manger. But if we're going to start this story about Jesus, his birth, the lamb, we've got to start with the first person, the first human, whoever could fully, was ever fully communicated this message of the lamb in the manger. Now, it's it's been a message that's all throughout the Bible. We've been talking in our one-year Bible study about all of these messianic prophecies that they didn't catch, but now that we see the picture, it's Wow, clear as day, this is about Jesus. But the first person to really hear and to understand, understand is a strong word there, to hear and understand about Jesus coming to this earth was Jesus' mother, Mary. And so we first read about about Mary in Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. So like I said, I'm just going to read and share the story today. So if you would like to join me, 
Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. I'm reading out of the ESV today. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying, and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who is called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Luke chapter 1, 26 through 38. You probably hear this part of the story often, maybe not as much as Luke chapter 2. The first person to understand and fully grasp this human that was not going to be human at all, but was going to be God on earth, was Mary. And we've got all of the classic parts of a good angel story here, don't we? An angel of the Lord comes to Mary, and what is her response? First, she's scared, right? She's like, what does this mean? And she actually asks questions of the angel. She asks, how can this be? For I'm not married yet, right? I don't have a husband. This cannot physically happen. The angel tells her how, right? The Holy Spirit is going to come upon her, and she is going to conceive and, and bear a boy named Jesus. And we get all of the story about Jesus, right? He is going to rule in the house of David, and his kingdom will come to no end. And then to what we ended with, let it be, Lord. Let it be, God. That is a scary, big moment. Sometimes we forget to talk about the gravity of having a child before you're married as a, as a young woman. That's what Mary said okay to, right? And I'm not going to read it today, but some of my favorite pieces of Scripture is in, in Luke chapter 1, right after where we finish. In verse 46, we, we have a little message about the visit to Elizabeth, but then when you get to verse 46 of Luke chapter 1, not only does Mary say, let it be, but she sings praises to God that it is going to be. My soul magnifies the Lord, my spirit rejoices. That's her response to this incredibly powerful thing, the lamb, Jesus, is going to be born from her. That's Mary. You hear a lot about Mary. Mary's a pretty important part of the story of of Jesus, the lamb being born in a manger, isn't it? 
But you know, there's also another uh, parent figure in this story. And uh, put yourself in Joseph's shoes for just a minute. Your fiance sees you the next time you bump into her, you know, and uh, she says, oh, yeah, by the way, I'm going to have a baby. It's not yours. It's God's. What? Let's read about Joseph's situation. Let's go back here into Matthew. Matthew chapter 1. We're going to start there in verse 18 through 25 and see the interaction and the thoughts that Joseph is having. Matthew 1, 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When, he, when, he, when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord has spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Man, Joseph is really the neglected parent figure in the Christmas story, if you want to call it that, in the lamb in the manger story. Because even, even here in Matthew, when we get the record in chapter 1, he's a pretty reasonable guy and a nice guy. The way that we see he's reasonable and nice is he's going to divorce Mary quietly, right? Now you might be like, that doesn't sound like a nice guy move. But again, put yourself in the situation of Joseph. Joseph has not been with his wife yet. They're not even married yet. They're betrothed, right? And so he has every cultural right to have her put to death. Now, she told him that it was, it was of God, it was of the Holy Spirit, but he still has every right to put her to death. And so he's going to do the nice thing, and he's going to divorce her quietly. That's where we enter the story with Joseph. But he's also visited by an angel. An angel of the Lord comes to him as he's considering divorcing his wife. As he considered these things, the angel of the Lord came to him and said, Do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for this is true. The Holy Spirit is what has conceived in her, right? This is the Son of God. And so here's what you need to do. You need to stay married to her, and she is going to bear a son. His name is going to be Jesus. His name is going to be Emmanuel, God with us, and he is going to wait for it. Bear the sins of everyone. Bear the sins of many. Whoa, right? This is not just a normal baby boy. Um, this is what the prophets have spoken about, is what the angel said. This is the virgin that is going to give birth to God on earth. I wonder if Joseph just was scared and terrified of the angel and knew what it was God and it was true. Or as the angel said these things to him in his sleep, 
he realized all that the prophets had spoken about, that this was going to be God on earth. Either way, we see that Joseph does as the angel, as God commands, and he takes his wife, he marries her, but he does exactly the plan, and they are not together, if you will, until after Jesus is born. Joseph is a big part of this story as well. Mary and Joseph, the earthly parents of God on earth, the lamb in the manger. But you know I got to talk about the lamb actually being in a manger because we get all the fun details of the story of Jesus' birth. If God is coming to earth, how does it take place? Probably in some spectacular manner, right? Probably in the fanciest of hospitals, like we would say. No? Kind of interesting how the birth of God on earth takes place. Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. Again, bouncing back and forth between Matthew and Luke. That's our plan today. Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. So in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quintus, or when he was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. While they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for him in the end. Just pause there for a second. This is the famous part of the story, isn't it? The whole world knows this part of the story for the most part. Jesus was born. The Lamb of God was born to the earth so that he could do everything up until the cross and resurrection. But he was born under some interesting circumstances, wasn't he? He wasn't even home. Mary wasn't home. Joseph wasn't home. Instead, they had to get registered for the census. So they had to travel. Courtney's pregnant. She's only about halfway, but I don't feel like traveling on a donkey across the world to go register. It's kind of an interesting situation, right? But where do they end up? In a town called Nazareth, right? To Bethlehem. They're now in Bethlehem. Why is that important? Because the Messiah, Emmanuel, the Son of God, the Lamb on earth, was prophesied to be born where? Bethlehem. So here we are in the proper location that God has promised for generations and generations, and they get there to register, and there's no place for them in the inn. We don't know what that exactly means or what that exactly looked like, but what we do know is just the quick line, the quick sentence that she gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger. Five-star resort? Not quite. The Lamb, Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, God with us, was born and laid in a manger. You see why I'm having fun with Lamb and manger now? What a great introduction into the world, all humility was given 
to the Son of Man when he became man. And the lamb was laid in the manger. And so you might notice this is the only picture I've got today because I just think it's great. The lamb was laid in a manger. But even though he had a, a humble birth, if you will, Jesus as a man, it was humble in where he was laid and how he was born and the journey and all of that, but it was still glorifying to God and man alike. And so as we look towards the, the last bit of Luke chapter 2 here that I'm going to read, I'm going to read a pretty good chunk. Because there is great power in Jesus being born, even in the moment that we're sitting at here in Luke chapter 2. So let's keep reading verse 8 through 21. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over the flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone all around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of joy that will be for all the people. For unto, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see that this thing has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds had told them. But Mary treasured up all of these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. At the end of eight days when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. All of this prophecy is coming to fulfillment, isn't it? He is named Jesus. He is born. He is laid in swaddling cloths in the manger. But is it not an incredible thing? Just some shepherds. Just some everyday, regular old shepherds, right? You know what shepherds do? Working in the field. Oh, look, they're working with sheep and lambs. Great. Something powerful happened that time when they were working in the field. Because what comes down? Well, power and glory and an angel. Typical angel response, terrified, right? Don't be afraid. I have good news to tell you. Today, there is a baby born in Bethlehem. And all of this comes to fruition. And what do we see? Man, we see the, the heavens opening, heavenly hosts. We don't know exactly what it looks like. you got a mind movie going. But we just get this incredible, incredible power that this baby is the Son of God, born in Bethlehem with Mary and Joseph. So shepherds just experienced all of that. And they're just like, well, that was interesting. That was entertaining. We'll just keep watching the sheep, right? No. They say, this, this we got to go make sure, this we got to go see. If this is God on earth, 
This is the one who removes sins. This is Jesus. This is the Messiah. This is Emmanuel. We got to be there. So it says in my version, they went with haste. I'm elaborating a little more with that. They went with haste. They went to go see Jesus. And what did they find? Well, indeed, they found a baby laying wrapped in cloths in a manger with Mary and Joseph. And then on the eighth day after he circumcised, everything the angel told Mary and Joseph to do was true. They circumcised him and named him Jesus. The beginning of the story of the lamb that would be the ultimate sacrificial lamb has to start with a birth. Jesus had to become human so he could be on this earth. And shepherds, even shepherds could recognize the power in a baby. Oftentimes we don't think about babies like they're powerful, right? This is a baby that is born to earth with power. Why? Because he is God. He's the Son of God. He is going to be salvation, Emmanuel, God with us. There's also one more set of characters that I can't leave out. Kind of the same situation, but it's over there in Matthew chapter 2. You've got to read about these guys. Because we had shepherds, and now we got some wise guys, right? Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born the king of the Jews? For we saw this star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all of Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And they told him, straight out of the prophets, right? In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written in the prophet, O you, O Bethlehem, in the hand of Judah, by, and, and by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will be the shepherd, who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And so he said to them, and he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too might come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. This is kind of the last piece of the lamb coming to earth story that I want to share. And you're probably familiar with it. Again, this is another famous piece of the story the wise men who seek Jesus. Uh, we've got lots of nice little quotes from it, right? Wise men still seek Jesus. But all of this is really important because we see God working. Why are the wise men in Jerusalem to begin with? Because they see a star. And obviously it's a star that communicates great power because they're like, that's it, that is the reason we're following that. 
And they get to Jerusalem, and they're in front of Herod and all of his high priests and all of this stuff. And they, they say, hey, where, where is this baby who was born who is going to be ruler and king over the Jews? And Herod's like, what? And he's kind of terrified, right? Because he's king over everybody. There's not going to be a king over nobody else. And so he gets all the information. He's like, how do you know that? And they're like, well, obviously, the prophets. Haven't you read it? This is, this is the prophets, what they've said, coming to fruition right here in front of us. We followed the star, Herod. And so he takes them aside, and he says, oh, yes, this is great. Um, definitely not being mischievous with what I'm about to say. Uh, why don't you tell me, go find him and tell me so I can come worship the baby as well. Not going to do anything. Just worship. That's basically what Herod says, right? And they're like, oh, yeah, that sounds good. We're following the star anyway. See you later, Herod. So they follow the star. Here's another incredible thing that's easy to gloss over. Ever, anybody ever followed a star before, one single solitary star, you know? No? Yeah, because stars, you know, they're there. They're stationary. You can navigate by them because they're stationary. And if they're moving, we call them shooting stars, and they don't last long, right? These guys followed a star the whole way. They stopped in Jerusalem, and then the star moved again, and they followed it the whole way, and it stopped over where Jesus was. This is kind of a God thing, isn't it? Last time I checked, you can't really follow stars that way. God is guiding them to the lamb in the manger. And they get there, and they see that it's true. They see the king of the Jews as a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger, and they worship. They bring gifts. They sing glory to God over a baby. Just a baby. It's not just a baby. It's God on earth, right? And you remember back in Jerusalem when Herod said, oh, yeah, I would love to come and worship him as well? Ah, something didn't feel right about that. And In fact, uh, they got a dream and were warned not to return to Herod. So they went the long way around by a different country so that Herod would not come and, quote-unquote, worship this king. We know that Herod never had the intent to worship the king. He had the intent to destroy the king as Jesus' life unfolds. So why do I tell you this story about the lamb in the manger today? I did strategically think it through. It's Christmas Eve. It's a time when the world talks about Jesus as a baby. Whether you do that in your household or not, or you do it all year round, amen. But isn't it a cool thing to talk about lambs and sheep for two months and to start with Jesus being the ultimate sacrificial lamb on the cross and to end with Jesus being a lamb born and placed in a manger? Amen, brother. Yeah. God came to earth as Jesus. And so what I want you to take home today, I just wanted to share the story. But in my opinion, sometimes we can either idolize this story as something fun to share, or we'll belittle it as if it isn't God coming to earth. This is God coming to earth. This is Jesus who is going to be the sacrifice for everyone's sin, the ultimate sacrificial lamb, and he had to come to earth as a baby or else none of it would have been possible.
But today, I praise God for a lamb placed in a manger. And I hope today uh, that you guys praise God for a lamb placed in a manger as well. But every day of our lives as Christians, do we not praise God for a lamb placed in a manger and a lamb that lived a perfect life so he could be the sacrificial offering for everyone for all time? So I hope this weekend you worship the lamb. I hope every day you worship the lamb because God sent the son. Amen. And let me borrow, Riley's back there someplace. I saw him this morning. Let me borrow what Riley said. Thank God that Mary had a little lamb. Thank you. Mary had a little lamb. If you're able to, please stand for our closing hymn, Silent Night. I think a few of you have heard it. We're going to slow it down just a tad, just to savor the words and the music. Silent.